What's up, Swim Fam? Welcome to the Swim Collective Podcast. Joining me, as always, is my main man, Brandon Ress. Yo, 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 what up, everybody? We'd like to thank Tier for sponsoring our podcast. Head over to Tier.com, get all your goodies, gizmos, and gadgets, and use the promo code Tier Collective to get 30% off your purchase. We have an awesome guest today. We've got Dan Kolepsky, the current assistant coach at NC State. He was a volunteer assistant there from 2017 to 2019 before he got called up and promoted to a full-time assistant prior to his time at NC State. He was the assistant head coach and recruiting coordinator at MIT, where MIT had 112 All-Americans. They broke 24 team records, and their women finished their highest team placing at NCAAs while he was there. He was an assistant coach at DePaul University from 2014 to 2015. Dan swam Division Three at UW-Stevens Point. He was a four-year letterman, a team captain his senior year, and helped lead the team to its 14th straight conference title. He has a Master's of Science in Sports Management, and he has one of the best heads of hair in all of NCAA athletics, my good friend and an awesome coach, Dan Kolepsky. Welcome to the podcast, bud. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for that very kind introduction. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, sure. Say I've been following along with the first couple episodes and you guys are off to a hot start you're killing it so i was uh oh, thank you very honored to be asked to join the collective today i was like yeah we got to get one of the best heads of hair on the cop on the podcast i will it. say you i'm a little jealous words. that that coleman got the uh the call ahead of me as the first guest i'm gonna have to give him a little crap about that on the pool deck today but you know <laughs> but here's the thing man you get to say that your podcast got posted first. Yeah. Because Ooh, it's being posted okay. today. Yes, sir. But, I you know, appreciate we gotta that. Say it kindly. You know, he's a sensitive guy. So, yeah. But that's that's how we get Coleman riled up. You know, we got to <laughs> gotta motivate him some way. You know? Exactly. Got to get him mad. All right. Well, cool, man. So tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, why and, and how you first got into coaching. Yeah. So, um, like going way back, I grew up in a, in a household that kind of revolved around sports. Um, my, my dad is kind of the biggest sports junkie you'll find. So I grew up playing everything. Um, and as I kind of evolved through my athletic career, um, you know, swimming was the, the path I chose to go down. Um, but as I continued to grow in swimming, um, there was kind of a point where I realized that, um, I was kind of stalling out, you know, like I wasn't mm -hmm. the best. I was a very average college swimmer at point. Um, and I kind of, you know, I realized that. Um, and so I kind of tried to, to be the best leader and, and teammate I could be. And, and a lot of that role took place as, as being quote unquote, a, uh, like a student coach and just trying to help my teammates grow and and become better. Um, and I'd say I probably started to, to see that for myself, maybe like sophomore, junior year. Um, you know, during that same time, I would go home during the summers as a D3 athlete and I would, I would work, I would, I would lifeguard and I would you know, coach swimming at the, the country club that I worked at. I coached uh, water polo, um, for a, like a, a high school team outside of Chicago. So, I kind of started to, to get that itch when I was in college. And then uh, once I was in my senior year of college and figuring out, okay, what's the next chapter in my life going to look like? Um, 
I kind of took a step back and, and thought some things over. I, I was also a coaching minor um, at Stevens Point. So mm-hmm. kind of got my foot in the door a little bit that way. But, but I was like, how do I give back to the sport that's given me so much? So right. I, um, I kind of reached out to some different teams that were running camps and I said, Hey, this would be a great opportunity for me at least to maybe this be my last hurrah, right? Like get into the door and coach a camp and, you know, say thank you for everything the sport has given me and then and move on to the next chapter of my life. Um, but I actually got a chance to go down and, and work at Texas system camp immediately upon graduation mm-hmm. and senior year. It was like graduate on a Saturday and fly down to Texas on Tuesday to work their camp. Um, and it kind of opened up my mind to what was a feasible career option, I think, as, as a college coach and, and just mm-hmm. everything that that camp presented to me and, and the people that I met. Um, and once I kind of I really took advantage of that opportunity and decided that this was a, a path that I wanted to go down. That's awesome, man. So you, yeah, I do think that, you know, we met at swim camp and one, you get to go to camps and you get to learn from great coaches. And if you get the opportunity to bring around the, the college team or the pro teams that are there, you get to learn from great athletes, but you also get to meet great people. You know, like my, my core group of, of swim, swim homies are, are from, you know, my first summer working in C state swim camp, you know? So, um, so too, sorry, not to cut you off. You're good. I got down there, um, you know, post-college and I mean, in a lot of ways, Texas's facilities and is the Taj Mahal and, and Eddie Reese is, is on deck and Chris Kubik and, and Carol, right. And, and your eyes are widened because it is swimming luxury in a lot of ways, right? right? When you are surrounded by those types of people, um, it makes you want to elevate as, as a person, as a coach. Um, and I know like when we run camps and we bring people in now too, you, you see that in a lot of people that come through is is trying to, to better themselves. And I, and I felt like when I got down there, you, you could, being around greatness helps set you up for success as you kind of move. Yeah, definitely. Well, you want to, it's kind of like what you allow in your, your presence and who you surround yourself with definitely helps you set your standards and, and hold your standards, you know? And absolutely. And I think that, you know, getting around people that are successful in, in what, what you do or what you pursue helps elevate you. You know, you want to get as close to the sun as possible, not only for the connections that it brings, but also like what you can learn from those people and, and how they can inspire you to be the, the best that you can be. But that, that's awesome, man. So, you know, you swam, you swam division three, you've coached division three at a super high caliber academic institution, and you've transitioned over the past several years into to coaching one of the most elite division one teams in the country. What was that transition like? And what were some of those major, not major differences, but what, what were some of the things that maybe caught you off guard or some things that ca- caught you by surprise and in, in transitioning from division three to division one? Yeah, I think, uh, division three athletics, it, a lot of times it's kind of about that, that holistic experience, right? Like obviously academics, the priority first and foremost, um, and a lot of times swimming or whatever sport that you are deciding to compete in at that level is, is, is a little bit secondary, right? Like for a lot, it's not, that's 
not saying that's for everyone, right? But but some student athletes, I think, take that viewpoint. Um, and when you transition um, kind of to the D1 level, the, the level of competition and just how they view their sport, I think is, is elevated a little bit more than, than Division III. Um, so I think that for me early on, as I kind of made that transition, a lot of times the accountability from a student athlete perspective is, is one of the biggest differences. Um, Division three, it's very easy to, to swim from September through, through March. And that be the, the primary focus, right? Maybe March on you're doing an internship and you're not swimming over the summer, but then you come back in in September and, you know, just kind of keep moving forward and under the, under those guidelines where division one, you're always trying to, to take the next step forward. So how do we hold our athletes accountable to helping them reach their goals, right? They're trying to be successful at the highest level in swimming, whether that be NCAA, um, making national teams for their countries, going to the Olympics. So every single day they have to be held accountable for what they're doing in the pool, what they're doing outside the pool, um, in the classroom from a nutrition standpoint, right? So I think opening up my eyes to, to what it took to create a, an athlete that is going to be able to be successful at the highest level was maybe the biggest difference. Um, from a personal standpoint, I think anytime that you, you jump into a new environment that is, is different, um, your confidence is going to be something that you have to, to grow as you go through. Um, I think that's any job that you do, anything you do in life, right? Like it takes a, a minute to, to feel like you belong. Um, but I think one of the, the great aspects about NC State is our staff, our environment, super open and, and welcoming. So like very early on, I felt like my voice was heard and I did not have to take a step back. I could just be myself, both from a personal standpoint and from a, a coaching perspective. Um, and I think that helped me really grow very quickly um, here amongst NC State and as I've kind of developed my coaching career. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So you coached at MIT and then became a volunteer assistant at that state, cut your teeth as a, as a volunteer and worked, worked your fingers to the bone. And then you got called up, you got, got promoted to uh, being an assistant coach. Just kind of, this is more like on the personal side of things, just for you, how did that feel? And, and what did that, that mean to you to be recognized and kind of, I don't want to say rewarded in a way, but you've, you obviously earned a, earned a spot that, um, obviously you've done a really good job at. So just kind of take me through what that meant to you when you, when you a got to go through that process and B got, got promoted. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, rewarding, I guess is the, the easiest way to describe it. Um, I, I think when I first started volunteering here at NC state, um, very quickly, I realized how special of a place this is. Um, and, and you guys know, obviously, Scott, I know you guys both have connect, deep connections to NC State. So you guys understand when I, when I talk about how special the, the environment is, the culture of this program. Um, it's something that kind of sucked me in 
really early on. Um, even working camps before I started working here as a volunteer, like you could tell when you're on pool deck, it's, it's different, right? The culture, the, the family atmosphere, um, the vibe around the team. And it's something that I wanted to be a part of and, and part of why I volunteered in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I worked hard throughout those two years as a volunteer, um, you know, in the back of my mind, I always like, this is somewhere that I want to end up as, as full-time in, in the coaching profession. You never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to say that it's another thing for it to actually happen. Um, and, and obviously we had Brant left, um, to take over the head coaching position at, at army. Um, and so when that position opened up and, and Braden, so to speak, called me up to, to the big leagues, um, it, it was rewarding, right? Like in a way, I felt like uh, the hard work of two years had been vindicated, but at the same time, what Braden's really good at and what I think our staff's really good at is like, okay, something good happened. How do we move forward now? Um, and in my mind, I was like, yes, okay, I'm now full-time, but now is on me to continue to help this team move forward. So right. what can I do from a full-time perspective that's going to make sure that the the cog in the wheel keeps turning right. and continue to move forward at the ACC and the NCAA level. So it was almost short-lived um, celebration, so to speak, as you know, cause I feel like I'm always someone that wants to continue to, to grow and, and elevate. Um, and yes, that was a goal along the way, but, but then it was very much a, okay, now it's time to, to continue to help the team move forward and, and do some special things. That's awesome, man. I know our, our, uh, our coaching group is very excited for you. We are like, who else, was it, who else was it going to be? Obviously Dan, the man. Mm-hmm. And what would, when you got that sort of like that call up, how, how did like your role change? Like, I know you said you, you like wanted to keep like the cog, um, going, but like what specifically, like where from like what you're doing as a volunteer to, you know, an official assistant, what um, was like the big role change if there was any, maybe it was just more like now you have the official title, but like what, what was like the big difference after getting, you know, moved up? Um, I think like immediately when you ask that question, the first comes, thing that comes to mind is recruiting, obviously, just because as a volunteer, you're not able to do really much hands-on recruiting. Um, as a volunteer, I try to make sure that, I was doing all the the dirty work that needed to be done, right? If there was anything that could be done that maybe got pushed aside because of, you know, other more important things going on, like I would, I would make sure that I cleaned it up and, and had that ready to go for our, our full-time staff. Um, but immediately, I think I tried to make sure that I was going to be able to take the next step in, in recruiting and, and making sure that we are finding the, the talent and the athletes that are going to fit well on our program um, and then communicating with them at a, a very high rate. Um, and I think that's probably what my role then turned into at, at a, at a quick pace was, okay, Dan, take over the kind of the men's recruiting coordinator role. Um, and I think I, me and Paulina, our, our women's recruiting coordinator kind of work hand in hand and figuring out where we're going to go um, as we, recruit student athletes. Um, but, but running with that very early on, um, was something that I'm, I'm glad I did because I think it's, it's played a major role for our team. Um, from a coaching on deck perspective, 
I haven't really had to change much on that front just because um, I've been working with one group ever since I have started here at NC State. So and what I group is that change much there? It was just, all right, we're going to have two full-time coaches in this group and this other group's going to go to one and we're going to use a volunteer there. So um, that transition was seamless from, from that standpoint. Right. Awesome. And, and what group was that, that you were, you were working with that you've kind of stayed with the whole time there? So I work with um, what we call our white group. Um, we have three training groups, black group, red group, white group, we call them um, our school colors. Uh, white group is, is more of the aerobic athletes. Um, I don't like to call it the distance group just because we have so many different needs that we fulfill um, from a coaching perspective, anywhere from, you know, I, I'd say very generally like 200s and up, um, free stroke, 4IM, 500 mile is, is kind of the athletes that we tend to focus on. But we also have some people that go down to the, to the hundreds of, of stroke and free as well. So um, we, we try to, to fill a lot of hats within the white group, that's for sure. Right. Um, so kind of going, going along with that, you're filling a lot of hats. You have a pretty broad group of athletes that are, that are in that group. And I'm sure probably a handful of people that will pop in and out throughout different cycles and different weeks. You know, can you, a like describe just a little bit of your coaching philosophy at a basic level, and then kind of take us through like what your process is for designing and writing workouts. It doesn't have to be for everything. I know you guys dabble between, you know, I am and twos of stroke and the mile. So you can keep it pretty general, but if you just kind of help us get into the, your, your brain a little bit and how, how you process those things, that would be, that'd be great. Yeah. From a, I guess from an individual perspective, I think we, we try to be very relationship driven. Um, I think for, for us, part of why we've had so much success is our athletes buy in, you know, they, they trust us when we, when we give them something on, on a piece of paper, or on a whiteboard, that it's, that it's going to work. And that's not because you know, Mark Bernardino is who Mark Bernardino is, or because I give them a workout. It's, it's because they, they trust us and we've built relationships with them outside of the pool um, that they can always come back to when, when things are going good or when they're going bad. Um, so I think that's kind of the, the staple point of, of my coaching style, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, from like an X's and O's perspective and, and writing workouts. Um, I tend to, to work from a, what does this workout need? What, what's like the, the meat and potatoes, so to speak, that we're trying to get out of it. If it's a, if it's a 400 IM workout, right? Like how we want to, to build the main set, but then also how, what do we need to get in this week? That's going to help them from a, from a technical standpoint that we have yet to work on. So how can I build that into a preset or how can I build that into the main set while also making sure that we hit the energy system that we're trying to, to hit on that given day. Um, and, and obviously that changes given the point of the year that we're at. Um, you know, so, so using just different mesocycles over the course of a week, sometimes even up to three weeks out of, of what we want to accomplish. Um, and then building individual workouts 
based around that is kind of how my, my brain works. Um, just so that we're making sure that we're hitting each and every component that that athlete's going to need to help them individually be successful. Awesome. Of course, of course. Um, kind of going along with that, like, what are some of your like favorite sets? You don't have to be like too specific. I know that, you know, as coaches, we never want to give up too much of what we do, but like, you know, what is like, it could be like, like, do you prefer writing IM sets? Is it like the 500, the distance, like what, or anything like specifically, what is like your favorite thing to write? Or like, what do you enjoy like watching the most? Excuse me. Um, I think personally, I, I like writing IM sets the best. Um, I think IMers are fun to work with because there's just so much you can do with them, right? Like when you have the ability to, to play with all four strokes, and you have athletes that are competent in all four strokes, like even at this level, like we have some guys and girls in our group that like, they don't touch breaststroke. You just make fun of them every time they swim it <laughs> because it's so bad. But like when you have IMers who you can just mix and match what you're doing um, and, and lay out workouts differently each and every time that you, you put something on paper. And I think I have a lot more fun with it um, writing IM workouts than I do writing any other practice that I, than I tend to write on a given day or a given week. Um, I've had a lot of fun writing 500 freestyle workouts, um, throughout the course of these past four years as well. Um, that's a group that's been pretty successful for us. Um, and we have talented athletes. So, um, I've had a lot of fun there too. I'd say I don't like necessarily come back to a lot of the same workouts over and over. Um, I, I tend to try to be creative and, and give them things that they haven't seen before. Um, just because like, sometimes I think when you write or give them too many workouts that are the same as, as swimmers, we, we tend to compare mm -hmm. to what we've done in the past. And that can be mm -hmm. good or bad, depending on how that workout went for that swimmer. So I try to find ways that I can hit the same, again, energy systems or components that we're trying to hit, but also not have it structured exactly the same, just so that they're not pointing at it and going, oh my God, a year ago I did this and, and now I'm so far off. What does this mean? And, and that's, they're overthinking it and putting themselves in a position that they don't necessarily need to be in. Right. Of course. The art. The art. the art of writing, the art of writing workouts before I am in five free. Those are the best. Those are the absolute best to do. Absolutely. That is one area that I've like a two weeks out of ACCs for the women and three weeks out for the men. I found myself writing the same workout, um, for the 500 freestylers just because, um, I like it <laughs> and they tend to go pretty fast. We basically mm -hmm. go, um, like two rounds where we, where we have them go race strategy for the 500. So like 150 buoy and paddle, just focus on, on good stretch to the catch, um, two 100s with a buoy, add a little bit more tempo and then three fifties descend, but, but it's all leg driven. And then they go two rounds that they go 500 where it's kind of like a, a race strategy focus, not necessarily how fast can you go with it, but just set yourself up to be, to make your speed changes when they're going to come. Um, and then a little recovery and then they hit an actual 500 fast. Um, and basically for the past three years, we have done that 500 fast and they've, they've lit it up in that workout and it builds a lot of confidence, right? right. Like that's Absolutely. the point of the year where you're trying to 
make them feel good about what they're doing every day in, in the practice pool. So when they see some big times that they've thrown down, like Eric Knowles threw down like a 419, 500 freestyle three weeks out. And it, it helps them open their eyes to say, oh my God, some special things are coming in the next few weeks. Right. That's awesome. Is that, that 500 fast at the end of that set? Is that from a push, from a dive? From a push. I think we probably would do it from a dive, but just the way our pool's set up. Um, I don't think we were in the upstairs pool where our blocks are. So um, that was actually from a push. So I think I went pretty nuts when Eric went 419, not going to lie. <laughs> the environment. could be crazy not to. Exciting so. that day. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That's, that's awesome, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that with us. I, we definitely really appreciate it. I know that the, the collective will appreciate it too. Um, so you mentioned Dino earlier, Mark Bernardino, for those of you that, that don't know him. If you're in the swim world and don't know Mark Bernardino, sorry, son. I don't, don't know what you're doing. I don't know what to tell you. Um, that's obviously somebody that you've been side by side with for the past couple of years. What's it, what's it like being on deck with him? And, and, you know, what are some things that you've learned from him? Yeah, I'm really lucky. Um, the fact that, that Mark decided to join us here at NC state, um, obviously he, he is a legend in his own right and, and did unbelievable things throughout his time at, as head coach at Virginia and, and then just carried that over into his time at South Carolina um, as his, as the associate there. Um, but I think from a, right when he got here right away, um, it was evident just he's a way better person than anything else, right? That he is just a, a person that you want to be around every day because he, he truly cares uh, about you and he cares about his swimmers. Right. And I think Mark's had so much success, not because of like him being able to, to lay out this unbelievable workout that you go, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. Um, Mark's workouts are, are very much meat and potatoes. <laughs> and I've, I've definitely seen him write those workouts and realize how much they work, right? Like meat and potatoes is always going to be good for you. Um, but more so than anything, I think Mark has had, unbelievable success because his, he builds those relationships and his athletes buy into that. You know, they feel very comfortable in who he is and that they're going to be willing to, to run through a brick wall for Mark when the time comes, because he has instilled so much confidence in them. Right. Um, and it's different for each person, right? Like how he's going to instill confidence in, and you, Scott, might be how he different than how he instills confidence in me from a swimming perspective. Um, but each and every one of his athletes feels that when they communicate with Mark. And I think him having a very much open door policy outside of the pool um, welcomes itself to that. Like he just he sits in the office and his athletes come and and we just sit there and we talk about life and you know, when they feel comfortable and using him as an outlet and opening up being vulnerable, it, it opens itself to growing as an individual, finding that confidence and becoming better in all facets of life. So I think I've taken a lot just being side by side with him um, and being able to just ask questions, right? Like 
as we grow through the coaching profession, there's always going to be stuff that we don't know the answer to. Um, but he's seen a lot of those <laughs> issues, concerns throughout his coaching career. So anytime I don't know, using him has, has been really good in helping me grow and, and um, kind of take the next step in my development as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it's like what I experienced when, when I was with you guys a couple summers ago, it just felt like every time I was around him, whether it was, we were, whether we were working out at the end of the practice day or just standing on deck with him, I, f- I feel like, and kind of one of the things that actually like made a note of was, was like, it seems like Mark continually tries to raise people up around him and, but also taking note of like the different ways that he, that he, can do it and do it really well. Right. So, you know, maybe for, you know, for one athlete, it's, it's challenging them for another athlete. It's, it's trying to like, you know, kind of get side by side and, you know, encourage them or be empathetic towards what they're going, what they're going through. And then with me, like constantly and encouraging me within like, not only the coach that I, that I, that I am, but the coach that I, that I want to be. And that's one of the things that like, I really, I really love about Mark um, is that like, even though I never got to swim with him, he was at UVA when I was at FSU and through the entire time that I've known him, whether it's like swimming at his camps when I was 12, 12 or 13 to, you know, swimming at FSU to now as a coach, like he was always encouraging me and speaking life into me and, and really helping me, you know, be inspired and be encouraged to be the best, best version that I can. Well, that's awesome, man. I, I appreciate that. We got to get Mark on the podcast for sure. I don't know if Mark can log into Zoom. He's still in 12 months later. I think you can maybe help him. So. <laughs> Trust me. Part of my volunteer duties were uh, teaching Mark Bernardino the art of technology. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Awesome. I can cool. say that because I know he'll laugh. <laughs> he will. He'll definitely laugh at that for sure. Um. So you guys just finished a, a pretty awesome season, like a really storied season for your, for your women and, and your men swam really well too. I know your, your, your guys are a bunch of young bucks and you're waiting for, you know, your internationals to some of your internationals to get back. And I know you have a really great, great class coming in on both sides. Um, pick one highlight from this past season. You're making it tough on me. One highlight, you know, we got to put you on the spot. <laughs> I will say I listened to your guys' first two episodes and you guys went down a, a top 10 list of your favorite swims from, from NCAAs. Um, and you guys both picked out swims and, and Scott and Brandon, you guys both picked my two favorite swims. You, you nailed them on the, on the head. Um, but from an entity state perspective, I would have to say the 400 medley relay on the women's side at NCAAs. Um, I think it was just, it was building to that for us. Um, so many times at NCAAs, we had gotten so close to winning a national championship on the women's side. And it just, we just missed, you know, like Alexia Zevnik, the year before I got here was second in the 200 backstroke to, to Kathleen Baker. And we had a bunch of relays that were second or third, just knocking on the door and just, you could tell it was coming. Um, last year when COVID hit, I know we felt like that was going to be the best finish for our women at NCAAs ever. Um, So I think it left a bad taste in all their mouths that the fact that they didn't get to go there and 
and show off their hard work as it did for, I know everyone across the mm-hmm. country. Um, but for them, I think they continuously looked at that and had that as motivation all year long. So we, we, we kind of kept building up to that moment. Um, and then, you know, the, the relay itself, I think for us as a staff, it was so special because if you look at the four girls on that relay, it was someone from, from each group on our team, right? It wasn't like it's all sprinters, right? It's, it's all distance swimmers. Like, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, the, the white group coaches, um, all sorts of athletes, right? Julia Poole was the anchor on that relay swims primarily out of our group. Um, so just to, to see how that relay went down um, and, and watch Julia kind of hold off the, the push by Kate Douglas at the end there um, after Kyle Lons had thrown down a unbelievable split as did Sophie and, and, and KB like to have it be the first one for NC state in that dramatic fashion um, was just something that I think all of us will never forget. And then the yeah. floodgates just opened after that. That yeah. was it. The floodgates. You just need open. one sometimes, right? Just one. You <laughs> just, just need gotta one. get over the hump. Yeah, I was watching that in this or I was like watching it while I was in Discord with Justin. And he's like, Oh my gosh, Julia has the lead. He's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, I don't know, just like getting the hype there. He's like, Oh, she's gonna do it. She's gonna do it. And yep. I remember I was like, Oh man, she is gonna do it. It was pretty fun. I think I was like, like it was pretty fun to watch it with him. I was like, I I know that you might not have personally coached Justin that much yourself, but I'm I'm sure you like have been around him enough to where you know he's like pretty reserved. Like he's obviously very competitive, but he's not you know, super high emotion to like be in that call with him, like getting hyped up. I was like, I was like pretty excited for that. So that was like, I enjoyed that race a lot. Like how many times can you say, Oh my God, over the course of a, of a hundred um, more, more that's, than that's what think. it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, she, she dove in. I'm like, Oh wow. This she's got this right. Like, and, and being around Julie a little bit, and knowing you know, how versatile she is, I was like, she, she can do this, right? Like, these girls are going to have to, like, the girls that were charging were going to have to have, like, they were good swims, but they were going to have to have swims of their lives, right? And I think Julia had that, that 100 free anchor split yeah. of her what, of her life. You, you mean the girl that went 23, 24 swims primarily out of white group? No, nah, can't be. <laughs> no, can't, be, can't be that white group kid. No, but that was cool. I was like, she's going to do it. I'm, like, screaming at no one in my house, right? <laughs> But no, that was, that was really cool. And you said you had another, another one. Well, non-NCAA, non-NC State swimming. Um, I just remember you saying that the 200 backstroke for you on the men's side. It, that was so much fun. At NCAAs was a swim that you thought was, was awesome. And, and I like, well, not that we had anyone in that race, so to speak, but just seeing two guys um, you know, break 136 for the, the first time since Murphy did it. Okay. And they each had their own yeah, strategy. That's what I liked. I was like, Asuka was like, I'm going at the hundred. And Shane was like, I'm going with throw that last 50. And it was just like, it was and to watch them. Go, oh, that was yeah. They, they both swim it such different ways, right? Like last yeah. was unbelievable underwater. Um, whereas Shane is, is good underwater, but probably not at that same level, but watching Shane be able to, to go to that, that next level with his tempo coming home, like he flipped a switch and got his hand on the wall. It was it was really impressive to, to watch him do that and to cap off like what was a pretty unbelievable you know, NCAAs for him all across the board. Absolutely. 
Yeah, definitely. I think like at least at the NCAA level, definitely. I think a big, a big breakthrough for him, you know, but uh, he flipped that gear and went and I was like, all right, he's going to do it. That was a good, that was definitely, that was probably my, definitely my favorite swim on the men's side for sure. Just from a, a racing perspective, you've got two guys that are wicked fast and swam it two different ways. And it was an awesome battle and super fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so with, with COVID in the past year or so, how has, or, or has COVID changed? Not so much what we, what you did this year, right? Because there's a lot of different things that we all had to do. Right. Um, but has there been anything that COVID helped kind of enlighten you towards or some things like, Hey, like I, we didn't do this before COVID we had to do it because of COVID and we're probably going to take it forward with us. What are just some of those, some of those things that you found? Yeah. Um, this year has definitely been tough. I know that everyone across the swimming world is communicating a lot of the same issues that they're having to deal with. Um, I know for us, one of the toughest parts was, you know, I, I just mentioned it talking about Mark, like we thrive in an environment where we're able to, to be hands-on with our athletes. Um, so the fact that we're like swimming on, on both sides of the pool, um, you know, me and Mark are trying to like communicate about when we're leaving, <laughs> not always to the best of our abilities, I will say, um, you know, it was tough, right? Cause I think a lot of these younger athletes, um, they, they don't know us quite as well yet. Cause they're, they're new to the program and we're not able to build those same relationships without having that open door policy that, that we've had over the past few years. So I think that was something that was, that was new to us. And, and we, we definitely are looking forward to, to doing away with, um, and, and getting back to swimming on the same side of the pool and, and being able to, to help build that confidence in our athletes again, um, from like, what would we, what we're going to keep. Um, I think it's interesting. Like when you, when we came out of lockdown the first time when, when people started swimming again to see like how quickly people were going best times. Right. And at least for us on the, the more aerobic side of things, I don't think this necessarily works. Um, but like, I do think there are a lot of athletes that are probably overtrained um, and just at least at this level, right. When you're going nine workouts a week and, you know, you're coming in and you're grinding. Um, I do think that there's some people that probably do need more recovery um, probably less workouts and just need to stay sharp with what they're doing. So I think we kind of saw that a little bit more um, like I think Justin, for example, is definitely one, right? Like um, that, that kind of fits under that build um, of, of being, be staying sharp and not necessarily breaking down to the point of not coming back. So we saw that more with our sprinters and our mid distance swimmers um, throughout the course of this year. Um, and I think we probably did less dry land too, as a result of it um, and, and kind of got that component focused more so on the weight room than anything else. So I think that we'll probably try to, to dial in what that dry land, the focal points are and, and how we, we use them moving forward um, instead of just like, doing the same things that we've done over and over again, um, year after year. Right. Yeah. When we, I think we all had a different, definitely a different bag with how COVID, excuse me, how COVID impacted all of our different programs. And, and we were fortunate where we were 
it put in a position early on to to get back here and to start to start training and we were pretty nervous for a while especially with you, know, you have basically all of the big name d3 schools like throughout the summer and late summer announcing that they they weren't either returning to campus and if they were on campus they weren't gonna they weren't gonna train and our, our first few weeks we had a we had three days a week for an hour and kind of our college designed a, a reassociation of sport plan with you know alongside and complementing with the ncaa did so for a few weeks we had three practices one hour a day and then four and then you know we weren't we weren't fully involved until after thanksgiving break where we kind of stepped into our kind of our new our i guess our normal cycle and it was nowhere near normal for for covid just based on having to split up our groups much more so than we than we normally did but we did split up our main afternoon groups on monday wednesday friday which we'll definitely keep that was very it was a good move for us and a good move for our team it just spreads everyone out a lot more and gives us more one-on-one time with our with our people and you know, I think that probably is the the one saving grace in all of this right is there's probably a little bit more individual instruction that happened and I mean, everyone had to probably have more practices or, or different layouts in their practice schedule than, than normal. So being able to, to create those environments where those athletes were able to, to really be focused on what they needed, that, that, that's like the one saving grace in all of this. Right. No, I, I, I definitely agree. So that's definitely something we'll, we'll keep for sure. And we had to like prioritize the weight room more, and we basically didn't have any, any time or space for, for dry land. So that's definitely something that we're going to reintroduce and, you know, be, I think more deliberate about, you know, I think dry is definitely a really important piece, especially for the, like the resiliency of the body, you know, and putting like really good, healthy volume on, on their bodies. And, you know, hopefully we're, we get to, you know, reset, pivot and adapt and kind of have something that's a little bit more, a little bit more normal in the next, in the next few months. Well, that's awesome. Our dry lands in the, in the past, I feel like have been very load bearing in, in the sense of like, we've done a lot of jump rope and had a big cardio aspect to it, especially early. Um, we definitely didn't have as much of that this year. A lot of core focus, which I think is extremely important for, for swimmers. Um, but I, I think for us, we were trying to find the balance between, okay, what are they getting in the weight room? That's, that's important that we can also make sure from a dry line perspective, we're hitting what they need to hit, but not overdoing it. So right. it's a, I think it's a delicate balance between, between the weight room and, and dry land and how to, how to maximize what they're, what they're getting out of those two units. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So winding, winding down and the last little piece that, that I wanted to ask you about is if you had a piece of advice for, for a coach out there, something that can help them start getting better right now and today, what, what would that be? Um, you know, I think that one of the, when I, when I first started volunteering here, um, we had Gary Taylor as our, our head distance coach and I worked with him for a year. Um, and I remember one of the things that, that he said to me was, you know, as, as a young coach, there's, you're only going to know so much and you're going to always continue to learn and grow. What you can control is, is your energy, right? Can come into the pool deck each day and, and being energetic, being passionate, being loud. 
and, and having a, a good attitude every single day, right? If you do that, people are going to, they're going to notice you on the pool deck. You're going to be welcoming to others and you're going to talk to a lot of good people because people are going to gravitate towards you. So I think that's that and, you know, work hard, right? Like it's very cliche to say, but, you know, work works in, in all facets of life. Um, that's something that I try to pride myself in is just making sure that I come in each day and do everything that I can to better myself and, and those around me. Um, and I try to be as energetic and, and enthusiastic and as passionate as I possibly can. Um, cause I think it, it, it helps in a monotony of swimming, right? Like it's a monotonous sport, especially for our athletes staring at a black line. If I can do something on a day-to-day -day basis, that's going to help them put a smile on their face, um, enjoy coming to the pool, enjoy workouts. Um, I take a lot of pride in that. So I know that's not probably for everyone, but I think it's, um, you know, a pretty good way that I go about, you know, coaching on a day-to-day -day basis. No, no. I love it. I love it. Awesome, man. Words for them from the wise for sure. Absolutely. Well, thanks my man. I appreciate your time and hanging out with us for a little bit. This was uh, this was great. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. This is fun. Oh, for yeah, sure, man. Well, swim fam, swim collective. Thanks so much for listening with us today and uh, stay tuned for later this week. We'll drop you another episode. And next week we've got um, NC state alum and, and current, ISL member of the Cali Condors, Coleman Stewart on the podcast. So stay tuned for that and we'll, we'll catch you soon. Thank you. Have a good one. See you guys.